So this is our Sanctity and Dignity of Life Sunday. We always will try to have one in January. Um, sometimes it may be the third or the fourth or the fifth Sunday. But the, this was kind of born out of the idea that we should always remember the unborn is where it started. And those of you guys that would remember, it's probably been about three years now. We did a series one fall called In His Image. And I think it taught us all a lot. You guys, there's a book actually out. It's out on the table in the, as you exit the sanctuary today. There's a book on the table about the sanctity and the dignity of life. Feel free to take it. And if you're done with it, bring it back. But what we began to realize is that being pro-life is more than just talking about or working against the cause of abortion. We began to realize being pro-life meant caring for the elderly. It meant caring for people with special needs. It meant caring for the immigrant and the incarcerated and the homeless. It meant caring about everyone in all stages of life. And so what I've been trying to do since we went through that is every year we, we pick a different topic to talk about that goes with the idea of being pro-life. And so today we're going to look at human trafficking. And it is definitely a sad and a depressing subject, but the point of our gospel is that there is hope even in the midst of those types of settings, right? So today what I want you to do is to pray that God would speak to you, that he'd really give you eyes to see and ears to hear people that may be in some of these settings that need that someone to lift them out of that stuff. And today also I want people to hear that are feeling in bondage, feeling oppressed, feeling like they can't see or feel or darkened or discarded. Today, the message of the gospel is there is freedom, there is sight for the blind, there is hope, and that's what we want to make sure we get across this morning. So let's look together in Luke chapter 4 in verse 17, where we're going to start. The scripture says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, uh, or Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I think I've had too much coffee this morning because I'm about ready to just, I don't think you guys, you haven't got it yet, but hopefully by the end of the message, when we read that again, you'll be like, this is awesome. (laughs) This is a message they had been waiting for for so long. So we do take time every year to remind ourselves of a couple of things on this Sunday. And the first one that I do want to remind you of is how many unborn lives are being taken in our country every year. You could look at worldwide. We studied this in counterculture. I believe it was 42 million abortions every year. I just can't even fathom that number, right? 42 million. Um, what I usually do to compare, uh, last year, there was 800. Uh, this is, the statistics are always about three years behind, okay? So last year, we had statistics for 2017. There was 862 thousand abortions in the United States. And if we look at the population of Indianapolis, it's just around 850,000 people. So it'd be like if everybody in Indianapolis disappeared this year, that's how many babies were not born. They were aborted, okay? Now, what we have been seeing, a trend we've been seeing for a long time 
is the numbers have really been coming down. Like it was almost, I think it was almost 1.7 million back in the early 2000s, in the late 90s. And so these numbers have come down and come down. But what I wanted you to note was this year. So in 2018, you'll notice, again, these are rounded off because of where they get their statistics, but these are from the CDC. There were 876,000 abortions. And so what that says is our numbers are really, they're kind of plateauing and maybe just on the increase a little bit. And this is your preacher, and I believe this is the scripture, but we want that number to be zero, right? And so the reason, and you guys know, we don't bring this up all year round, but it is something that we don't want to forget. We cannot forget about this. Who's going to speak up for the unborn if the church isn't going to speak up for them, right? And this is so much more, we're not going to go into this whole sermon today, but it's so much more than holding a sign or making a Facebook post. This is being engaged in people's lives who are in deep poverty, who are in deep pain, who have a lot of failed relationships. This is being engaged with young mothers who are not sure what to do and giving them, giving them a choice to see what is really available to them. And we need to be on those front lines, not just be waving a banner that says, this is wrong. We need to say that it is wrong, but we need to show our love for all these people so that we can make this number into zero, okay? So that's the first thing we want to remind ourselves of this year. Please continue to pray for the unborn and especially pray for those organizations who are committed to standing for justice for the unborn. But as I've already mentioned this morning, we know that being pro-life isn't just being against abortion. It's about all those things I mentioned before. Again, the elderly, the immigrant, the special needs, the incarcerated, people of different races, the poor and the homeless. And can I say this real clear, especially at this year, social justice is not just a racial issue. You hear that out this morning? A racial problem is part of social justice. But social justice is so much broader than that. Okay, So today, as we think about social justice, it is all of these things, not just one of those things. The gospel teaches us to see Jesus in everyone we meet. If we as a church would do this, we will change the world. In a world that celebrates glamour and status and performance, God's heart is for those who are overlooked and deemed unworthy. He loves the underdog. Seeing every human being as beautiful, invaluable, and precious, this is what it means to be pro-life. Seeing Abby as a beautiful young girl who's valuable on the side of God, even though she doesn't match a magazine or an Instagram post, but letting her know that God loves her, that's being pro-life. Seeing that elderly person that nobody ever visits and is left alone and going into them and engaging with them. That's being pro-life. That person in the jail who's been abandoned their whole life and they've been in a mess after mess after mess, going in and speaking the gospel to them and praying with them, that's being pro-life. And that's what Christians should be about. And I know I'm speaking to the choir here today because you guys are very active in your faith. But I'm afraid there are many churches where it's come, watch a show, sit in a pew, sing a song, and say, I've been to church, and that's the extent of being pro-life. That is not biblical at all. We need to be engaged in the lives of people around us. And then hear me out today. Not everybody's going to go to the jail, all right? Nobody's going to serve there. Not everybody's going to serve the homeless. 
Not everybody's going to serve the unborn, but what you've got to do is figure out what God's Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, and then you need to do that with passion. And you need to go full gung-ho with the Lord's power to do those things. So please, please find out what the Lord has for you and do those things. Again, another way of putting it, and the way we put it in our series, every human life is valuable because every human life is made in the image of God. Amen? I can get behind that, <laughs> right? Instead of being worried about rich and poor and black and white and this country or that country, every single human life is valuable because they're all made in God's image. And we all need the gospel of Jesus, right? If you take nothing else with you today, grab hold of that phrase, put it in your heart. And this week, when you look at people, you look for Jesus in everyone that you meet. All right, this year, again, we would like to focus uh, on our Sanctity and Dignity of Life Sunday on human trafficking. We did a study on Wednesday nights called Counterculture. The author was David Platt. And when we went through that, it just seemed like the Lord was really speaking to us about this problem. If you guys remember that night, Oliver, he shared, oh, I have a friend who's really involved in that. Maybe we could talk about it. And Donna shared, oh, I know somebody at the Hope Center who's really involved in this. And Wendy's like, oh, my friend Angie, she's really involved in this human trafficking thing. And it just kind of dawned on us that, are we really doing our part to be a part of the solution? So we really want to listen to the Lord, and that's part of the, the thing that we need to do today. As we walk through this passage, and especially on Wednesday night, as we hear from Diane Good, we need to know, Lord, what do you want from us? And are we doing what you need us to do in this very uh, troubling problem that we have, not only in our country, but also around the world? Again, this Wednesday, we'll hopefully hear from Diane. She can encourage us that way. This is from David Platt. Look at this statistic. Did you know that there are more slaves today than were seized from Africa in four centuries of a transatlantic slave trade? 27 million people live in slavery today, more than any other time in human history. What? <laughs> I thought we got rid of slavery, right? Well, we did make it illegal. Pretty much most countries in the world, it's illegal, <laughs> But there are more slaves today than any other time in human history. Well, I don't see it. That's your preacher. Be like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And what I want to try to encourage you today is that slavery is actually all around us. And we need to be paying attention to this truth. Again, from a gospel perspective. Again, lest you think this problem is just in third world countries, here's a few statistics to remind us. It's a problem in our own backyard this is from the United States statistics. The average age of children enslaved in the commercial sex industry in the United States is 13. What? Uh, she's not here today, but uh, I think Bella just turned 13, didn't she, Diane? What was somebody... Betrayed Bella, kidnapped her. She wasn't getting the attention she needed at home. And somebody said, I'll give you some attention. And she ended up uh, in Los Angeles or in Louisville or in Jersey at some truck stops. The, the average age of children enslaved is 13. Does that hit you like it hits me? We need to really be aware, don't we? And especially the people that the Lord has put in our care, if you've got some nieces and nephews, if you've got some neighborhood kids, if you've got some church family friends, we need to stay engaged in their lives, don't we? 
Again, praise the Lord. I hate to keep picking on this, but it's just a good example this morning. Abby needs people in her life that are going to encourage her and lift her up and stay engaged with her, right? Because if we don't, guess who will? Right? Ultimately, the devil and the world will, but it'll be somebody will come through and say, oh, I'll give you what you need only to enslave that person in something that is so terrible and horrible that we should never have happen to a young person. The human trafficking black market generates between five to nine billion dollars each year in the United States alone. It's a nine billion dollar industry. One of the statistics I read from preachingtoday.com in the state of Georgia, there were 7,200 men that paid for prostitutes a month in the state of Georgia. <laughs> It's a $9 billion industry. This is a problem. There are an estimated 100,000 women and children each year who are added to this number who are entrapped in this commercial uh, sex and pornography industry. It is a $150 billion global industry. Trafficking degrades and destroys human lives that are made in the image of God. Trafficking turns people into commodities, objects to be bought, sold, and discarded. And that is the problem. People are to be loved and things are to be used, right? But what have we done? We've decided to love things <laughs> and abuse and use people. We've turned people into objects, people in a way to make money or to fulfill our whatevers. That's the problem. So what we need to do is turn again and engage people and speak the truth of the gospel in these situations so we can help with this problem. Today we're going to look in Luke and here's where the gospel really kicks in this morning. Look down, if you would, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Again, the Bible says, this is speaking of Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, I believe it's in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If you ever want to look and see a mic drop in the scripture, this would have been that moment. Okay? Jesus comes back to Nazareth, and we know what's in Nazareth, right? I think I've told you this old joke before, but where Wendy and I lived in Illinois, there was kind of a little rough town called Centralia. And uh, Wendy's grandma would say, nothing good ever comes out of Centralia. And that's actually where Isaiah was born. <laughs> right? Um, that would be the same thing that people would say about Nazareth. There's nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Jesus, again, from age 12 to really about age 30, we don't see much of his life. Probably what he was doing was building houses and doing different kinds of carpentry things in the neighborhood. And people knew him as the guy that would fix their door frame or fix a window thing or help put their house together. <laughs> That's how they knew him. And he comes back in when he's 30 years old and he speaks to them, and he has the attendant opens the scripture, and they open it to Isaiah chapter 61. 
And Jesus is going to bring about all these things that he talks about through his life and his death. And let's just take a second to look through these for a second. And what I want to challenge you with is that uh, we do see usually the physical things happened, right? When Jesus came, did the poor find good news? Yeah. There were people who probably didn't hardly have enough to eat. And when Jesus was around, what happened? All of a sudden, there was extra fish. There was extra bread. (laughs) There was plenty to go around. Jesus helped the poor. There were people that because of Jesus' power, they were set free. Like Peter and John would eventually be set free as prisoners because of the power of God. Were there any blind people that could see after they touched Jesus and ran into him? So physically, those things happened. Freedom from the oppressed, and then this whole idea of the Lord's favor coming in Christ, it happened. But what I want to remind you this morning again is the spiritual things behind that, right? Blessed are the, what's the first one? The poor in spirit, right? Jesus brings good news for the poor in spirit. You won't be poor. The kingdom of heaven will be yours. Amen. There will be freedom for the prisoner. Those of you that are bound and enslaved to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, can there be freedom for you today? Yes. <laughs> in the year of the Lord, Jesus says, this is, this is in, in your hearing, this has come to pass today. This has already happened that this uh, proclamation has been made and this freedom can be had. For people who have been having the fog of all kinds of stress and anxiety, they don't know what decision to make, they don't know where to go, can they see again? There is sight for the blind. For people who have just had everything weighed upon them, they've had struggles with their job, struggles with their education, struggle with their family, struggle with their marriage, struggle with all their relationships, and they just feel like there's nowhere to go. What does Jesus proclaim to them? There is freedom for the oppressed. He had come to proclaim the year of the Lord. He had come to proclaim Jubilee. Everybody know what Jubilee is? Right? Basically, it's 50 years, and every 50 years, what happens? It's all forgiven. How many of you today would like for the preacher to come up and say, I could come up to Stevens. Of course, they're probably, they're really too disciplined. So that's probably a bad example. But I could go up to them and say, give me your credit cards and I'll pay them all off. Would anybody like to take that deal this morning? <laughs> How about any of you like, uh, we get, we're talking about some different kind of ownership issues, you know, right? You had to sell yourself into slavery in order to pay for this piece of the land that you owed, or you made some bad financial decisions, so you had to sell yourself into slavery there. And I said, this is Jubilee. What's that mean? It's all forgiven. You guys been following the big lottery? My friends at school are so hilarious. They are so ready to quit their jobs. They have the big pool together. They've all put their money together, right? And they're like, oh, I hope hope we win this weekend because I'm not coming back. What are they looking for? They think they're going to find freedom and all that. If you guys study that out, just trust me that people that get loads of money all at once, their life usually doesn't end out so well. (laughs) Trust me on that one, okay? But they're looking for that freedom. And what we're really looking for is a spiritual freedom to be released from the power of sin. And Jesus says, this has now been come to pass in your hearing. I am he. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for from Isaiah 61 for 700 years. I'm the guy the carpenter from Nazareth. This is me. And he hands the scroll back to the attendant and he goes and he sits down. (laughs) Right? I'm the man. Now, how did Jesus then go about his ways? Did he go out with great big banners and signs and a whole bunch of swords and an army and he was proclaiming, I'm the man, I'm the guy, I'm the king to be. (laughs) What was he doing? Well, he was 
having his feet washed by Mary. He was helping the blind and helping the sick. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He ended up getting taken in the garden. He got himself nailed to a cross and put a crown of thorns in his head, and he died on a tree. Three days later, he rose again to say, I have power to accomplish the things that I told you I did. Praise the Lord today. Human trafficking is a terrible, terrible problem. But is there hope even for people who have been trafficked? Can I ask you a tougher question? Is there hope for traffickers if they repent? <laughs> I would tell you, your preacher, it would take everything within me. I would want to, if I found out someone and I knew they were doing that to someone, I would want to tear them to shreds. The Lord would have to put his Holy Spirit in me for me to forgive them. But God says today, Travis, I forgave you. I can forgive them too. We need to be praying for traffickers and victims. And what I'm telling you today is the same gospel that brought us salvation brings hope to even little girls who get kidnapped and stolen and their life can be reconciled and God can bring them healing. And there is still hope for them because of this gospel. There is sanctity and dignity in every human life. Again, the Lord wants to use your life to bring his kingdom now. You remember the Lord's Prayer? You guys know I bring this up a lot. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know what heaven is. And God, through Jesus, says, I want you to start bringing the kingdom now. And Jesus inaugurated this kingdom, and here he's laying it out again. These things have already begun, and our job is to carry out the work. Part of our roles as Christians is that we not only look to the kingdom that is to come, and I want you to look to heaven, but we must work for bringing the kingdom here and now. And part of bringing the kingdom is working for justice in our world through the means that the Lord gives us. The Lord calls us to bring about justice where and when we can on this earth. And just a quick review, you guys, we did this this fall. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What? To act justly? To love what? Mercy? And to walk how? <laughs> Humbly with our God, right? Remember our little picture? We have a graphic here of seeking justice and loving mercy and walking humbly. And this all fits together, right? This is what we need to be about here in our day. One way we can fight for justice is to fight for the dignity of all people. And again, this morning, our focus is one injustice we can fight against is the injustice of trafficking. What I want you to see this morning, this isn't a new problem, it's a big problem now, 27 million people, but it's not new. As a matter of fact, Paul condemned it when he wrote to Timothy all the way back in the first century. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. There Paul writes to Timothy, he says, We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and the rebels. And look at these categories. The ungodly, the sinful, the unholy and irreligious. For those who kill their fathers or mothers or for murderers, right? Look at the next one. For the immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, and for what's in bold right there? For slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms uh, to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Slave traders. All the way back in that time. <laughs> and what did the scripture say about it? It condemned it, Right? ungodly, unholy. You guys, this isn't a new thing. And some people will try to say, oh, the Bible didn't have any problem with slavery. Right there in 1 Timothy chapter, what's it say? 
It says those people are ungodly and unholy, the slave trade. It was wrong from the beginning. And that's what I want to remind you this morning. So real quick this morning, as we kind of wrap up here, how can we help women and children who are oppressed and who need freedom? What can we do? You ever feel helpless? Good night, 27 million people, (laughs) right? That's kind of the same way with abortion statistics, right? Just feel so helpless. Like these numbers are so big. What can I do? I'm going to give you a few things to think about and you see what the Lord speaks to your heart about this morning. How can we help women and children who are oppressed and need freedom? One, we can pray for justice. We need to pray for justice. We need to pray for justice for the victim, and we need to pray for justice for the oppressor. Hear me out this morning. Is there forgiveness for the oppressor? Yes. But if they refuse to repent, what do we want? We want justice. We want God to be just. Then I want you to pray, and you can pray even this morning and pray for our church in this right now. What might you do to be a difference maker for this huge problem? Lord, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a big deal, and I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm in this area. I don't really see this problem. And maybe your prayer this morning is, Lord, open my eyes that I can see who I can help, who I can engage in, who I can touch, how I can be a difference. Lord, please help me know what my part is in this huge, huge problem that's not only in the world, but it's right here in our country. And by the way, <laughs> Indianapolis, you're going to this out Wednesday night, is one of the worst places for trafficking. It's right here. So we need to be a part of the solution. Learn more about trafficking. This is just informational. And you guys, Wendy can share some of this out this week in our social media. There's so many places that you can learn more about and so many gospel-centered organizations that are helping with this problem. Focus on the family and Ascent 121, Shared Hope, uh, Hope Center. All this stuff is trying to make a difference. I have shared before, Wendy and I got to go to Cincinnati and we visited the Freedom Center there. And they have a whole, I think it's a whole floor actually, dedicated to trafficking and that's only two hours away and if you want to really learn about what's going on in the world and and see a great presentation of it you can go to the freedom center and be encouraged in that way now when we studied counterculture with david platt i'd never been hit so hard and all of a sudden this started to click with me especially as a man especially with the men that i work with this next thing really stood stood out to me take a stand against pornography can your preacher get out of the scripture for a second, get on a soapbox and give you all his opinions here for a moment? <laughs> what drives him nuts, right? What drives the preacher insane is to see young people who are passionate, who are trying to make a difference, and they want to make a huge vocal stand about trafficking. And they want to say how horrible it is and how we've got to change it. And I love that part. But then those same young people are filling their minds and flooding their feeds and soaking themselves in pornography. That's like me saying people shouldn't smoke cigarettes while I'm going buying a few packs a day. Are you tracking with the preacher this morning? When we read this with David Platt, I mean, it was just like, boom, just like the light bulb went on for me. How can you be creating demand by doing these things and then stand against it over here and say, oh, this is wrong. Well, guess what? If you lower demand, what's going to happen? You're not going to have the supply. That's a very crude way of putting it, isn't it, right? If we will lower the demand by taking a stand against pornography in our own personal lives and saying, I'm not going to be a part of this, and if more people would not be a part of this, and if our young people, especially our college people, would not be a part of this, 
it's going to lower the demand for this trafficking, which will help us fight that problem. So part of the solution is you personally going to stand in that area. I think that's a really important thing. See what part you could have in aftercare for victims of trafficking. Some of you guys are some of the best listeners on the planet. And a lot of times that's all someone needs is to be heard. Maybe the Lord is, we go through and as we hear again on Wednesday night, but they'll speak to you. And this is a tough one, but boy, it's a powerful one. Consider your part in fostering kids who are at high risk. That's a big ask, isn't it? Right? But today we need to pray that people would really respond to the Lord and that they'd be open to what the Lord has for them and the Lord is calling them to foster, that they would foster and see a huge difference there. All right, final scripture this morning. Look down there, Isaiah chapter one. Again, just a great reminder of this whole thought. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. What is your role in these things? This is actually a personal email from Julie Walters. I thought this was really good. People sometimes ask, how could sex trafficking happen in America, towns or big cities? Julie Walters, a family law attorney and director of Free the Captives Ministries, offers the following scenario of human trafficking that occurs every day in American towns and big cities. Listen to this. We turn a blind eye to the 15-year-old inner-city girl who is being trafficked. Why? because we turned a blind eye when she was three years old, being severely neglected by her mother. We didn't see the empty fridge or the apartment without electricity. We turned a blind eye when she was seven years old and being abused by her uncle. We turned a blind eye when she was 13 and started missing school and running away from home. And now today when she is forced to sleep with 10 men a night by her pimp at the age of 15, we turn a blind eye because we never saw her to begin with. This week, when you look at yourself, remember that you are made in God's image. When you look at others, they too were created in the likeness of God. Engage young people around you. Ask them how they are doing. <laughs> make sure they are safe and then make sure they know about the gospel. Look to see Christ in everyone you meet. Amen? Lord, help us to make a difference in this problem and all these problems as we follow his Holy Spirit's lead and remember the power of the gospel, okay? All right, let's stand this morning. If you guys want to, um, if you want more material on this and you need help getting it, let me know. Most of you probably have some good avenues, but we'd be glad to share. A lot of the material is so graphic in nature and trying to have full family worship here. We just can't really share it, all of that kind of thing, because it's a little too much. But some of it, I think you need to be aware of and I need to be aware of instead of just ignoring it. We need to know how severe the issue is so we'll engage as the Lord leads. Again, this morning, I want to challenge you. Who is that young person in your life? Maybe it's a grandchild or maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's even a friend at school that we can really listen to and engage and make sure that they're okay and pray the Lord will help us to do that. Does anyone have any other prayer requests before we're dismissed today? All right, guys, thank you so much for your attention, your time. Praise the Lord for his gospel. Pray that we'll, as we go out in our homeless ministry, he'll be with us. Pray for Wednesday night that God will speak to our hearts. And most of all, as individuals this week, pray that the Lord will guide us, that we'll be 
seeing Christ in every person that we meet, okay? All right, let's be dismissed in prayer. Uh, Brother Michael, I'm asking if you would dismiss us in prayer, please.